Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Almighty Podcast. This is Adam. And this is Mike Adkins from NerdsOnEarth.com. And we have joined forces once again to bring you uh, our commentary and recap and various other rabbit trail thoughts on two episodes of My Hero Academia this week, uh, episodes 66 and 67. So if you haven't watched those, be warned, this is a very spoiler-heavy podcast. We are not ashamed. Yeah, and I got to say, I appreciate all of our fans that reached out and let me know that you could watch the English version on uh, Funimation, so that's what I'm doing now. So I'm back to watching it the way God did not intend it, but it's awesome because we get to compare, so... Yeah, and I actually had a discussion with some friends of mine about um, the the difference between the Japanese and, and the English versions, and and the the back and forth that you and I had about well, so and so sounds more like a frog in the English for you, and the Japanese for me, and Aizawa's. Yeah. Uh, and they said, you know, it just it totally depends on which of the two languages that you're listening to, because you you do get those subtleties for each version, and then you grow accustomed to it, you know. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, but yeah, I'm enjoying having it back in English. It's a little bit easier to take notes for me. <laughs> yeah, I bet. I'm, I'm always have uh, my left hand is on ASDF and spacebar, and my right hand is on my remote, getting ready to hit pause so I can try to ac- take down some accurate dialogue and stuff like that. All right, man. Well, let's just go ahead and jump right into episode 66. Uh, th- this was a kind of, I would say both of these actually went by really quickly. It seems like they got a lot of information in in two episodes. Uh, but we pick up right where 65 left off with Deku trying to impress Sir Night Eye with his All Might impression, and it is just not going well for him. Like, immediately right off the bat, it seems like Sir Night Eye is just pissed off that he doesn't have the correct wrinkles. You know, he says that the, that his wrinkles are all like 0.6 milliliters long, uh, and then after a certain like golden age, I think he says they're 0.8 milliliters, and his are just not quite right, and any true fan would know that. I mean, it's cracking me up. Yeah, and so as Night Eyes is criticizing Midoriya's All Might face, um, he's kind of, he, Midoriya's scanning the room, and he's realizing that Night Eyes is a big All Might fanboy himself. Like, Night Eyes' office is almost as fanboyish as Midoriya's room is. Yeah, uh, in fact, he has like a poster that, I guess, was the 10th anniversary of All Might being a hero that had was never sold. Like, Deku said he had never seen this before. Well, and so Deku tries to use this to his advantage and swings the conversation in a direction where he begins to actually defend the lines that he uses on his face by referring to um, the source material that he kind of used to, to mold his this particular face. It was based on this incident where a kid who had a quirk was like in a river and was drowning and he turned it all into vinegar and then All Might jumped in and got some of the vinegar in his eyes. So there's like this really niche instance in the life and times of all might that Midoriya singles out for his face for for whatever reason. I mean, it seems like an odd moment to be like, that's the face I'm going to, you know, try practicing. We'll see. And even Sir Night Eye is like, oh, I see. Now you're testing me. Like, like you're trying to see if I recognize where this is from. Because it seems like only a real All Might fan would know what that particular face was from. Yeah, and that's true. And I, I mean, I guess it's fair. I do think that's what Midoriya is trying to do here. Um, but it might not be the best tactic, really. Maybe. I mean, when yeah. you're thinking about it, <laughs> like you're trying I mean, to be it, like, I might know the person that you spent five years as a sidekick. I, I might know him better than you. <laughs> that's true. I didn't think of it that way. I just thought of it as like, a, if you're a real fan, then you'll know this one as well. You know what I mean? True. And, and speaking of that, I feel like this is totally a side tangent, but I thought you'd get a kick out of this. 
I was working on a technical issue at work and it seemed like we were stuck in this impossible scenario. And so I'm on the phone with three other technical agents, right? Like we're, we're all pretty techie people where I would assume we were all pretty nerdy folks. And I made the joke that we were, you know, in the middle of a Kobayashi Maru and they all looked at me like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, oh, come on. <laughs> so, but I felt like that's what this was like. Like he was just nerding it up. Like it opened the doors to allow him to nerd it up about All Might with Sir Night Eye. I mean, how often is it you get to meet like your hero's sidekick? You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they kind of start trying to almost subtly one up one another about what these tiny insignificant details of that particular story actually are. Yeah. Uh, you it, know, was, they, it was really weird. Yeah. I mean, but it's, I mean, it's Midoriya's attempt at kind of building some rapport or trying True. to, trying to, you know, grow some endearment between him and this guy that, that he's trying to get this internship with. Little does he know, um, the direction that things are going to go here shortly. Well, and what I love about this scene too is that while all this is happening between Midoriya and Sir Nighteye, in the background, Mirio is like releasing Bubble Girl from the weird tickle machine that she was stuck <laughs> in from the last episode as if it's just another day in the office. You know, like, oh, I walked in and saw this again. Yeah. <laughs> that uh, cracked me up. Like I said, I think in the last episode, 100% chance that Mirio has been on that table himself. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, but yeah, this is when, you know, it turns out that, you know, Sir Night Eye is going to start breaking down like, okay, we, we need you to have a contract. We need all these different things. And Matori is immediately like, ah, I got it. I'm right here. And so Night Eye is like, well, don't, don't interrupt me. And he, he's starting to talk about this relationship that he's building with Midoriya and how if, you know, they're going to do this, like, what does he bring into the table? Like, it's great for Midoriya because he's going to have all of these experiences through his agency, but what is he going to bring to the world? How is he going to benefit the agency? Because at the moment, everything is, you know, running fine. And I thought that was really interesting. I mean, he's putting Midoriya on the spot. Yeah. And so he does, he says a couple things here that I really like. First, first Night Eyes explains that the the internship or, you know, work placement, whatever you want to call it, that it may cause... Midori to fall behind his classmates when it comes to classwork because he's going to have all these absences and granted they'll be excused but still there's consequence for not being in class um and I really like Midori's response because he says well if I match pace with everyone else then I can't be ahead of them I can't be on top um so I really liked that particular expression of Midori's and then Night Eyes is as you're saying he's like he goes to like stamp this contract and and he misses and Midori is like you you missed and Night Eyes is like no I'm I'm not I'm not ready to stamp this yet you have to tell me how you're going to benefit not just this workplace but society I mean that's a much larger task you know I might be able to convince a, a potential employer how I might serve them well um, but because Midori is attempting to be a hero he's not just benefiting an office space. So Night Eyes charges him with, well, what what can you do to benefit society, which is a much larger task. Yeah, that's pretty heavy for a job interview. I mean, and it's not even really like a job interview. It's like a an internship interview, you know, because this, I mean, it may lead to a real job, but at the moment, it's just kind of a, a test try, right? Yeah. And so Night Eyes decides to kind of give Midoriya some on-the-job, it's not really training, it, it's more of like a practical exam, you know, because Midoriya hasn't seen enough of those yet. So he, he ends up challenging Midoriya to steal the stamp, which he hasn't stopped stamping, like he's just hitting the yeah. table with this tap, stamp. Tap, 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 Yeah, and uh, so he challenges him, like, okay, steal this stamp from me in three minutes and stamp the contract yourself. Uh, and so this is when he excuses Mirio, he excuses Bubble Girl, and they go to, like, get a drink from the machine. 
And uh, he goes, you know, even though you don't have an ounce of humor in you, I'm going to give you a chance. And so, you know, he they start basically fighting each other. I mean, it's it's not really like full on combat because Night Eye says, I won't attack you. I'm only going to be on defense. But he tells him, like, come at me with everything you've got. Nothing in the room matters. You can do whatever you need to. Yeah. And, it, and before this, there's this moment of foreboding dialogue from Mirio. And I can't remember if it was to Bubble Girl or if it was something that he just said inside of his mind. But he hears... Night Eyes explain this task that he's setting uh, Midoriya to before he's excused. And so Miro has this thought or says this to Bubble Girl. He's like, up against Sir's quirk, that task seems impossible. We don't yet know at that point in the anime what uh, Night Eyes' quirk is. But shortly after those three minutes begin, we get one of those like narrated quirk introduction panels from Present Mike on Night Eyes. Uh, and right. so they, he explains that his quirk's name is Foresight. And the way that it's described in the anime is that after touching somebody and locking eyes with them for one hour, he can see the choices that that person will make. Um, and in the anime or in the manga, it's a little different. It says when he touches any part of the target and then locks eyes with them for the next hour, not I can quote unquote see in advance every move the target will make until they die. Wow. See, there's a lot of inconsistency there. Like that's and that's kind of a huge inconsistency as well because one is way more powerful than the other. Yeah, and so this this might be the time for us to kind of speculate about what his power actually is. Midoriya starts wrestling with it in just a minute. Um, well, I was going to ask you, does Midoriya know about his power before he goes into it? Because I feel like when they first start, he says something like, okay, I've got to come up with a strategy for his quirk. And then he's like, I don't have time for that. Let's just do it. There so is, does he know about it? There's no way he doesn't, given, I mean, yeah, given his fandom, just the way that he um, you know, always keeps tabs on all of these different heroes. And there's even this point of dialogue, I believe, where Night Eyes is looking at him and he's like, you're trying to come to terms with the fact that you don't have a counter for my foresight. And he doesn't tell Midoriya what that is, but Midoriya's internal dialogue is him trying to figure out, well, can I, can I move fast enough to get past it? Can I throw papers to get past it? Can I, you know, take, try to move, like throw enough number of moves at him to outpace it? Um, so I think that he's aware or has a general understanding, maybe doesn't know the scope or because then he might not have, uh, tested it in some of the ways that he did, like with throwing the papers and whatnot. Sure. That makes sense. Yeah. He's He's definitely got to know about it. Yeah. I, I mean, that would, that would make sense with his hero notebooks and stuff. And, um, so his, so the way that his power is worded is interesting and we still, we hear it talked about in a couple of different ways between episode 66 and episode 67. So here it, as I was watching 66, I think you felt the same way too, where it was almost like for that hour, he could see just ahead, like just a, a just a little bit into the future, just enough. And I think Midoriya well, so yeah. thought that too. Yeah. The way that I interpreted it when I first saw it was he can see all of your actions within the next hour. Like if he, if you and I were to like, have this experience, and I was Sir Night Eye for the next hour. I would know what you were gonna like, what decisions you were gonna make, and their yeah. outcomes. That yeah. was as long as you chose those decisions that I was looking at, then I would know those outcomes. Because it sounds like he he worded it like, you know, oh, I've got it written down here. He says, uh, so Night Eye says 
provided the conditions are met, he can see where he will go and every decision he will make. So I was under under the impression that like within the next hour, you know, as long as you meet these certain conditions, I'm going to know exactly what what's going to happen. See, I interpreted the the conditions to be so long as I touch you and look into your eyes, like okay. that's how he activates his quirk. Um, but then. So I thought like what you're thinking and what I think Midoriya is thinking that maybe he has this limited precognition almost for maybe an hour's duration into the future. Like from the moment that he touches your skin and looks into your eyes that he can see, he knows everything that's going to happen in your life for the next one hour. Right. Um, But in episode 67, we get a very different impression um, based on some discussion or kind of like a flashback, I guess, more appropriately when All Might and Midoriya are talking that makes it seem like when he, when he, when those conditions are met, that for an hour he can look as far into your future as he wants to, and then that that hour is almost like the duration of that particular privilege where he can access as much that as he wants. But the further out away from the present moment he gets, the fuzzier it grows. Like it's, uh, it becomes yeah. a little less clear. I assumed it was kind of like he's probably looking at all of the different possibilities. At least that's the way I interpreted it. And the further out you go, the more you know possibilities there are. I mean, they continue to stack because every possibility is going to lead to two different branches, right? So if you were looking four or five years into the future, there are so many branches that he may only be able to see so many or interpret so many. Right. And I think, too, like as, as we get to kind of that understanding of it in, from episode 67, I started thinking back on episode 166. And so I think that during this particular test if you want to call it that night eyes is only initially i thought maybe maybe he's just looking in into that immediate future because he doesn't need to know where midori is going to be in 10 years from now necessarily however i also started thinking that some of the things that he was saying to midoriya during this test might indicate that he did kind of examine uh, a, a bit further into Midoriya's future than what was necessary for this little three minute test. And that he might've been, cause he's kind of harsh. Like there's a, he is straight just dumping on Midoriya during this test and saying all kinds of stuff that we'll cover in just a second. Sure. Um, but I wonder if he looked into the future and did that thing where like, he's trying to tell Midoriya what Midoriya needs to hear right now for, for certain future things to be true later. Well, I, I can't imagine he looked too far into the future because episode 67 takes place the very next day and he runs into Chisaki or Overhaul and, you know, Night Eye didn't know about that. So he couldn't have looked more than 24 hours Well, you're, unless, he can, unless he can skip ahead. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you're assuming that he has to like hold down fast forward and I think he can like jump ahead as far as he wants during that hour. But it's not, it's not terribly clear though because you bring up a fair point, but I never thought about it as him like having to track forward frame by frame right and for some reason i assumed it was like a you know for the next hour i can see into the future but i'm having to kind of siphon through it and that i guess that answers my question too because in 67 when during this flashback you know the night eye is talking about events that are going to happen six years in the future and he doesn't mention midoriya at all or the fact that all might chooses someone other than mirio who is who night eye wants so I was just kind of like, how does he know something that's happening, you know, six or seven years in the future, but doesn't know these decisions that have already happened that we are aware of about? You know what I mean? Yeah, I think so. I think it's target specific. So he doesn't see all of the things that are unfolding in the world around All Might when six years ago he did his little quirky trick on him. 
Um, and I also think that they, they talk later on about how he, Night Eyes, has tried to affect the outcomes and change them because he has seen them and he's been totally unsuccessful in that endeavor. Yeah, because apparently his foresight is always proven accurate, right? Right, right. So I guess that might throw a wrench into what I was saying about him telling Midoriya what he needs to hear yeah, to I achieve don't know. his just, outcome. But it, it seems like there's a lot of inconsistencies with his, with his quirk. Yeah, and it could, I mean, just because he is aware that he hasn't yet affected the outcomes doesn't necessarily mean that he isn't constantly trying to, especially in this matter, because this is the most important matter as far as he's concerned. It's, it's the, you know, who is it that possesses uh, the one for all? And uh, it should be, from his perspective, based on maybe this vision that he has of All Might later, it should be Mirio for whatever reasons. Maybe he's, maybe he's, pulled this trick on Mirio and sees some things. Um, I don't know. It's, it's very tricky. This is the problem with anything that has like anything remotely to do with like time travel or foresight, you know, this kind of stuff, prophecy, if you want to call it that it always makes things really muddy because I have a hard time thinking that like, as Horikoshi was writing this stuff here that he had plotted out, this is exactly, you know, what Night Eyes knows right in this moment or what he's seen right. and what he's trying to manipulate. So that, that gets difficult from a writer's angle too. Well, um, and even then, I mean, I guess you could say that Night Eye is the paradox, right? If Night Eye is seeing the future and he's trying to alter it, then it can't be altered because he knows about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So... It's a tricky quirk. I mean, it's it's kind of neat, I, and it's a lot bigger and more powerful than I thought initially. Where it was just like, oh, he sees an hour into this specific person's future. Um, Sixty-seven in the explanation that is given in that episode blows that to pieces um, because yeah. he's able to see half a dec- you know, or uh, uh, half a dozen years in the future. Well, because in sixty-six, it reminds me a lot of Nezu's quirk, where it's kind of like Nezu's is you know he he knows the outcomes of probability. It seems like that, but cranked up one or two more notches. You know what I mean? Yeah, but 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 Nezu is a manipulator, and I don't think Night Eyes is. I think that he's a passive. He is he is an audience of one. It, it kind of makes oh, okay, it sound yeah, like that's what you're saying. I see what yeah. you're saying. So like Nezu's power is like I can do this thing, and all these things will happen. Gotcha. For Night Eyes, yeah. it's more of like these things are going to happen, and he might feel like an impotence almost in how to deal with it, which might explain some of his frustration, um, especially with the All Might Midoriya Mirio triangle of power if you want to call it that sure yeah and i don't want it to sound punny but uh night eye is a very quirky guy like just the way he's drawn like the way he acts and treats other people he's just kind of a weird dude so in this test he's he's kind of like i said i was trying to make sense of why he was saying some of these just really mean things to midoriya (laughs) i assumed he was just putting him under pressure like hey i'm gonna try and get you all worked up to see if how you react in a tight situation yeah he keeps making this like references like he keeps commenting on how unsure that midoriya looks and he's like you know all might should have taught you this in fact i'm sure he's taught this to you countless times and here you are sweating and looking nervous and you shouldn't be you should be smiling in the face of disaster and he says, you know, but you're in the middle of a test and you're breaking down. So I just kind of figured it was him like really putting him through the stress test. Yeah, that and he goes, I mean, he, Night Eyes does not hide his agenda or his, his opinions on who should have the one oh, for all gosh, at no. all. No, he's no, very no. verbal. He's just like, just as I thought the one for all should have gone to Mirio. And in the middle of this test, he's like, you have the power to become a symbol, but you're completely ordinary 
All Might should have given the one for all to Mirio. There's one more worthy than you to inherit that. And because that's true, I cannot acknowledge you. And this is just psychological warfare on a teenager who's yeah. trying to be a you know a hero right. with his power that was given to him by his his uh his hero, I mean his his idol, and now somebody that's close or was um close to his idol is is totally taking a poop on the decision that his idol had made. And so, I mean, he's just constantly just dropping these bombs on Midoriya, um, verbal bombs, because he's not, like you said, he doesn't do anything. He stands there and he moves the stamp around a couple inches at a time. Right, right. But I got to say, I love Midoriya's response because, you know, as he is in the midst of like, I mean, he starts Gran Torino-ing around the room is what I call mm-hmm. it, because he, he yeah. uses Gran Torino jump style, you know? And he mentions to Night Eye, like, you know what, I can be... I can be what you want. You know, I can do this. He said so. And Night Eye it comes back with that snide remark of like, oh, who, your classmates? And he says, no, the best hero of all time. And that's when Night Eye is kind of like, okay, let's, I'll take this guy seriously for a second here then. And it kind of heats up. I mean, he, he calls him out on using Gran Torino's jumps and is like, yeah, you're a lesser form of the master. Yeah. You know, but I mean, he's still jumping around and he's trying to get ahead. And finally, he's like, okay. We're going to take it up to the next notch. And he starts throwing paper everywhere. And he, he you know, throws a desk at Night Eye. And he's like, maybe I can move fast enough to get past him so he just can't make a decision quick enough. And one thing after another. But eventually, he is running out of time. I mean, he just smacks right into the wall. And it's really abrupt, too, kind of out of nowhere. Like, he goes to attack Night Eye, smacks right into the wall right next to this poster, and slides down. And did you notice that there's like a blood streak from the ceiling yeah, down? Yeah. That cracked me up. I thought that was really funny. But he avoids this poster, and this is the thing that, at least partially because of the way that it was presented, seems to be the thing that kind of sways Night Eye. Because he he noticed, Night Eye looks around the room, and he's like, oh, you know, as you were jumping around the room like a, you know, second-rate Gran Torino, he managed not to step on any of the All Might stuff. And this felt like, in my notes, I just said, this is Martha from Batman and Superman all over again. Like, it's just this (laughs) weird... Uh, this is the thing that's going to be the glue that holds us together or the reason why, you know, one thing does or doesn't happen. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I get it, I guess, but it felt almost like anticlimactic a little bit. I don't know. I don't know. It, it seems silly to me because it seemed like he was because his big thing was like he was able to be completely aware of his surroundings and try to formulate a plan and stick to it, even though, you know, going into it, I knew he was going to fail. You know what I mean? Like, he, he was, yeah. like, really thinking about what was going on. It wasn't like he was just shooting from the hip. That's true. That's fair. He does say something, though, that I, I have a note, and this is just, you know, my crazy conspiracy theories here. He makes a mention uh, that the world is not looking for a dim light, but a dazzling one. And, you know, referencing referencing Midoriya as being a dim light. I mean, he keeps calling him mediocre, saying that he has the possibility, but he's just not there. Yeah, uh, and it made it, me wonder if what what if he is talking about uh, our dazzling hero, the Spartan. That's hero. what I was just about to say. I says, <laughs> the way when he said that, I was like, maybe you need to recruit Aoyama then because yeah. the guy is always sparkling. That's that's his whole thing. Like I just had this thought. I was like, he does have foresight. What if in the future he's seen that the, the next true hero is going to be uh, Aoyama? Aoyama out of nowhere. That would be Aoyama. so great. You know, <laughs> the dazzling hero. But anyways, uh, he tells Mirio. Mirio walks back in the door and he's like, all right, Mirio, I'll take the boy. And Deku was like, wait, hold on, but I failed. And he goes, well, I never said that you wouldn't make it in if you failed. I just told you to do it this way. Uh, so, you know, he, he's going to accept him, I guess. 
Yeah, he, I have in here that he pulls an Aizawa like Aizawa did during that first that's physical totally fitness true. test. That's, yeah. what it, that's what it felt like to me. Um, but he still, so Night Eyes is explaining this to Midoriya and he's like, um, just so you know, you'll, you'll gain the experience in this pro hero office that will lead you to understand that you are not the person who's best suited to have that power. And there's like a voiceover from Midoriya where he says he took me on basically to, to lead me to a place where I would give the one for all up to Mirio. Uh, in the manga, he words it like this. One for all can only be transferred when its wielder wills it. Night Eye accepted me in the hopes of making me give it up. Um, so he thinks that that's why Night Eye accepted him is to put him alongside Mirio. Uh, so that he could see who Mirio is, what he's capable of. And so that then Midoriya, who, if you asked him right now, would be totally unwilling to give anybody the one for all, um, would then, you know, pluck one of his own hairs of his own volition and pass it on to who Night Eyes believe should have had it from the beginning. Yeah, I guess so. I, I, you know, it was interesting because whenever we watch this, he makes that mention, you know, that he thinks that, and I was like, I don't know why he, he gets that. Like, where is he getting this from? And I even asked my wife who was watching it with me and she was like, I guess he's just inferring it. Uh, and then you and I had a quick conversation about it. It's like, it, it makes sense. I mean, Night Eye had mentioned to Mirio and Midoriya that before Midoriya even showed up, he was planning on accepting him. He knew he was going to take him in. So I guess he is hoping that maybe he can just show Midoriya like, hey, look, you're not suited for this. You need to hand it over. Uh, I hope that's not the case, though. I would rather Night Eye kind of, you know, befriend Midoriya to some extent. Yeah. And I wonder then, just based on the way that you phrased it just then, if this test was less for Midoriya than it was for Night Eye to get, you know, some hands-on experience of what, what it is that Midoriya might actually be capable of. Because I think up to this point, all he's done is, I mean, I, I'm sure he's heard, but I mean, but what does he, what does he know about Midoriya before this? I mean, I, I would assume that he's at least watched the sports festival. I would and hope so. I, I would think that he probably reviewed some sort of report on USJ and like there are at least a handful of things that he could have looked at to understand a little bit more about Midoriya. But it could have also just been simply the idea of uh, like what Bakugo challenging Midoriya a couple episodes ago. Like I need to understand why I wasn't chosen because right, there may right. be some part of Night Eye that wonders why he wasn't chosen. I mean, he was all my sidekick for God's sake, you know, like, of I mean you always kind of expect Dick Grayson to eventually become Batman. You know what I mean? Like that just kind of makes sense, right? Yeah. I don't, I never got that sense from night eyes. I do think that he is 100% on the Mirio train. Yeah. He's just like sold is. out on that. I think it's part of Mirio's personality though. I mean, cause you got to remember oh, that definitely. night eyes real big on the whole, like you have to have that smile on your face. I mean, he's all about the symbol and right. Mirio hits that in every way, man. I mean, he's always got the smile on his face. He's always trying to be positive and upbeat. I mean, his, we, we find out his name is Lamillion, uh, for because he's going to save a hundred million people, I guess. Like, you can't save them all, but you can save at least a hundred million. Like, he's just such a chipper guy, you know? So I feel like he sees Midoriya, who is this, like, nervous wreck and, and sits there and mutters to himself and talks to himself and isn't really, like, socially acceptable from the perspective of, like, he's really awkward. You know what I mean? So I could just see him being like, this is not the symbol that the world needs, you know? Right. So it may yeah, just he, be more of a, like an image. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, there's, again, it's, it's, I wish I knew all of what Night Eyes has seen looking at, I'm sure Mirio, definitely All Might, and possibly now Deku. Like, how far into Midoriya's future did he see? What did he see? How might that change his opinion of him? 
um, that kind of thing. But it's yeah, it's it's all left unsaid for now. We may never know. Um, but it's it just leaves a, it raises a lot of questions. Let's say it that way. I do wish we had a better grasp on his quirk. I feel like it would answer a lot of our questions for sure. Yeah. But regardless, we, we end up back at the dorm rooms uh, where we kind of check up on all the kids here. And, you know, Deku's telling everybody that he's going to be with Sir Night Eye. And uh, Aizawa actually shows up and he tells Tokoyami that uh, I guess a hero named Hawks has invited him. And they, they flash this quick picture of this hero named Hawks. And he looks really cool, man. Like, I'm pretty excited to see more about him. You and I have talked about Hawks very briefly one time when we were Didn't on the we? wiki. Yeah, we were looking on the wiki at the the ranking of the pro heroes, and Hawks is technically the number two behind Endeavor, who's now number one. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. Um, yeah, and, I vaguely remember that now that you say that. Yeah, so we have no idea, you know, who he is or what he's capable of, besides he has big flashy wings. Um, at this point, that's all we get. Um, he but he's the cool. He is the number two dude right now, so it seems like a big deal that Tokoyami um, gets an invite from from him. I wonder if it has anything to do with the bird face. If Hawks was just like, eh, I need a guy that looks like me. <laughs> I wondered the same thing. Like yeah. I was like, eh, that bird thing is is there. So I don't know. Um, but we also know that Tokoyami was one of the folks that got into UA based on like quirk alone, pretty much. Um, he was one of the folks that got in on uh, recommendation. Yeah, yeah. I still yeah, wonder so. who can make those recommendations. Like, is it one of those like? Things where, you know, maybe a, a parent was like, oh, I'm going to recommend my child to go to UA. Here's a million dollar check. You know what I mean? Yeah. Or if it was like an old teacher or a, a, a hero, like a pro hero saw this kid and was like, this guy definitely needs to be at UA. And then we have Aizawa continues to tell some other students about who might be trying to recruit them. And he says that Amajiki from the big three wants to see Kirishima. And Amajiki was the quiet one who we right. know next to nothing about. Um, and then Hado or Najire, she wants to see Ochako and Sue. Um, so they they all are like, should we go later or should we go now? And then they all disappear. And then uh, my favorite part about this whole scene is Todoroki keeps saying like, man, we're, we're falling behind. We need to catch up. And Bakugo just keeps yelling, shut up at him. It's just like this recurring yeah. bit. Yeah. So like after after each invitation where Aiza is like, hey, Tokoyami, so-and-so, there's that scene between those two and it's really funny as a little bumper between the invitations yeah that was that was a, a lot of fun uh we actually ended up transitioning back over tonight i uh for one last bit before the episode ends and i just have one note here they're all standing in his office and previous to to this last time we were there was when he was talking to midoriya and the walls were covered in midoriya's footprints it's only been like maybe 12 or 14 hours i mean it's the next morning and his walls are completely cleaned off <laughs> and I'm like, wow, that's impressive. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, but they're that's all pretty good. They're all talking about how they're going to go uh, split up on patrol. It is day one of patrolling for Midoriya. So, and that is that is going to be next episode. Yeah, and he says Night Eyes tells them that they're they're kind of keeping their eyes on the Shie Hasaikai, and um, he's like, hey, listen, we this this one guy Chisaki is he's rounding up, seems to be rounding up the Shia Saikai all over again. And we know that he's made contact with the League of Villains, even though we don't know what is the result of that. Um, so he's like, all right, we're going to do an old-fashioned kind of like stakeout and and patrol, keep our eyes on these folks. And then the credits roll. Did you stay for the after credits thing on this? I, I didn't, but I was going to ask you, did you happen to catch the fact that he mentioned something about how they have to treat organized crime differently from how they treat villains? 
no. Yeah, I, it was just like one or two quick sentences. I feel like he mentions that like because he's not a true villain, like the League of Villains or Shigaraki, you know, and he's organized crime, they have to treat him differently. Almost like heroes can't just like go and attack an organized crime member compared to like a villain villain. And I, I brought that up to Ooh. Hannah and she had made the comment like, well, you know, organized crime normally means like drug smuggling or gun smuggling and, and like money laundering, things like that. Villains like want to level cities. So it makes a lot more sense that there are probably heavier restrictions against organized crime. And I'm like, yeah, I guess so. I just, cause I forget that the, the heroes aren't a police force. You know what I mean? There is a separate police force. The heroes are just there to help. And so it's so, it's so weird to me because we don't, we don't, we aren't reminded of that very often. You know what I mean? Right. Like right. we don't see police officers patrolling. All we see are heroes patrolling. So I don't know. It was just the whole, I, we had this conversation two or three episodes ago about the big difference between like villains and organized crime. And I think that kind of like cemented it for me. That made it make so much more sense. Like these guys are not going out hoping to completely decimate a town. They just want to like, you know, do some really bad illegal things. Right, right. And they still don't really have an, any idea of what those things are yet. That's why they're kind of in uh, information collection mode right now. Right, right. Well, and I mean, we've already seen them take out other villains. So they're not even necessarily villains in the eyes of the public either. Mm-hmm. And, and we find that out really at the beginning of episode 67. But regardless, I did not watch the after credits scene. So what did you see that I didn't? I mean, you, you kind of did see it because it's basically... Um, overhaul looks like he's stalking a girl with one horn that has bandages on her and oh, she runs yeah. into Midoriya. Yeah, yeah, that was the beginning um, of 67 but if, too. Yeah, but if if we were watching this week to week, that would be a big cliffhanger. Yeah, <laughs> like, it would whoa, be. what's going to happen now? <laughs> yeah, no joke, because you don't expect him to like right, you know, run right into him day one of his patrol. Um, but that's Midoriya's luck, I feel like. Yeah, and the Airy doesn't run smack into Midoriya first thing. There's this like really brief thing at the beginning of 67 where Mirio, his chipper self on patrol, is like, I don't even know your hero name. And so Midoriya tells him it's Deku, and Mirio, like everybody else, is like, are you sure? You're going <laughs> to stay on brand with that, bro? Um, uh, but I also he, think... He mentioned something like, you mean like Deck? And, and like for yeah. some reason, I was just thinking like the back porch, you know? It was funny, the way he worded it. But I also, I gotta say, I'm not a big fan of Lemillion as either. a superhero name either. What a so dumb name. I'm, I'm so disappointed. Like, I don't know what I wanted from him. Bouncy Boy or something. It would have been better than Lemillion. Like, that's dumb. I don't like his name at all. Yeah, I don't like it. I don't yeah. like it at all. I don't In fact, I'm, I'm probably never going to refer to him as Lemillion. No. From here on out, it's always just going to be Miro, and you guys will have to deal with it. Yeah, yeah, because it's like the worst hero name of all time. I feel like again, I encourage all of you to come up with a better hero name for him than Lemillion, because he explains the the, the idea that, like, well, I'm not going to be able to save everybody out there, but my goal is to save a million people. What yeah. a crappy goal. I'm sorry. But you're like, I don't know. You're trying to replace All Might. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to hear you say that you can't save everybody. That's not what he would say. Right. Or at least so, that's not uh, the illusion he would hold. I don't know. Yeah, I was disappointed by that one, too. Yeah, let's hold let's hold like a little contest maybe on the Twitter and the Discord and see who can come up with what we would, what Adam and I think would be a, the best oh, or be a, an improvement of, of the name of Mirio as a hero. Yeah, and whoever, uh, uh, we, we'll choose one. Whoever we like the most, we'll send you guys a sticker. Yeah, that sounds awesome. You get an AMP sticker if we pick your name. How about that? Yeah, I like that. That'll be a, that'll be a fun contest. All right, so then 
Aerie runs into Midoriya, um, and Overhaul steps out, and he starts apologizing about his daughter, and later on... Right? Yeah, I, uh, I'm not sold that... That, I'm not sold that his it's kid. his daughter. No, but at first, I, they, they seem to think so, though. They believe him on that, because they, they bring it up to Night Eye. Yeah, which I think is weirdly presumptuous, just because he said that it was his daughter. Anyway, um, I don't, I'm pretty sure that that was just a cover story that Midoriya bought hook, hook, line, and sinker. But maybe we're like. wrong, but I didn't get that impression. Yeah, I didn't at first either. Uh, but anyways, yeah, so he, he explains that his daughter is like running away from being chastised pretty much like oh she's in trouble she shouldn't be running away from me and she's like shaking and covered in bandages and look like she's got stockholm syndrome going on like right i mean if he is truly just you know disciplining his child it is like disciplining on another level right right defax needs to get involved yeah yeah um the craziest part about this like that shocked me when i was watching it was mirio steps in and just starts chatting up overhaul about the Shiei Hasaikai like it's no big deal. He's just like, oh, well, yeah, you must be, your mask, you know, makes pegs you as one of the Shiei Hasaikai. Just yeah. like it's like something that you talk about in public, no problem. <laughs> well, that was kind of why I mentioned that it seemed like the public doesn't see them as villains. Because the way Mirio was just like, oh, hey, you're part of that group. Uh, you know, how you been? How you doing? Like, as yeah. if they were nobodies, or, or not even nobodies, but just like a well-known public group, like Freemasons or, or something like that, you know? Right, it, right. It seemed like the way they've talked about them is as if everyone knows that they're basically like the mob or the Yakuza or something. I think though, and and this, this kind of pushes off into uh, some of the next things that happen, but it, it might've been Mirio as a hero trying to be kind of nonchalant, like not be so dumb that he raises suspicion because if that mask really is like a, kind of like a sign of office for the Shiei Hasaikai, like people would know. And so he would be able to talk about that without being like, Oh, you know, like doing that thing where like in Austin powers, when that guy has that mole and Austin (laughs) powers is trying to do anything, but look at the mole or talk about it, you know? Yeah. But Um, at the same time, it seems like if, if they are aware that that's like a group of organized crime and this, you know, part of the, she is Hasaikai. Oh my, I'll never be able to say that. Right. Shia (laughs) Hasaikai. Yeah, close enough. Okay, so if you're part of the Shia Isaikai and you just come out of, a, across a couple of heroes, your first inclination is going to be to like duck and cover or blow them up, not like have a small talk conversation with them. I, I thought that whole scene was very strange. But I think it kind of interestingly plays with the idea of organized crime because, I mean, I'm not like super savvy on all the history of organized crime, but it was kind of the the burden of proof lay upon the police to to bring something against the mafia or the mob or whatever it is. So they oftentimes would be in very public places and kind of be acting as if that everything that they did was above reproach. And they were like, find something that makes it not so. That's uh, true. You know? So mean, maybe Al Capone was like that, right? Yeah. So maybe he's just like, yeah, you know, uh, what have you got on me? Nothing. So I'm just going to act as casual as possible and, and see if I can just st- stammer my way through this. And so is this, uh, interaction unfolds, Midoriya starts pushing Overhaul about the bandages and the trembling of his quote-unquote daughter. After she grabs him, she won't let go, and she's like begging Midoriya not to leave, not to leave her, not to give her to him. And Mirio is wanting Midoriya to drop it to avoid suspicion. But Midoriya is having this internal monologue where he thinks that dropping it would only increase suspicion, which I thought was a fair point. Yeah, no, I mean, it was really funny because at one point in time, like, 
I think Mirio makes some sort of weird excuse for the way that uh, this girl's been treated. And he says something like, well, everyone's different. Am I right? And he, internally, right. he's like, all right, Deku, let's go. Like, we got to get out of here. We can't raise suspicion. In fact, at one point, he actually raises up uh, Midoriya's mask because his mask is down. So that way, yeah, Overhaul doesn't see the fear and like anxiety on Deku's face. And, and so like he's really wanting to get out of there. And you know, Deku is like, if he keeps pressing this and he acts like we're just going to leave, like heroes wouldn't do that. The moment we put on our masks, we're heroes. A hero wouldn't leave a kid like this. That's going to be more suspicious than pressing. And right. I kind of have to agree with him. I mean, that seemed kind of like a dumb move on Mirio's end, but I, I we don't know Chisaki well enough. I think that's this person's name is actually Chisaki. Yeah. Um, I still think, by the way, and for the record, that Midoriya, uh, Midoriya's mask is dumb. I do too. I, like I hate it. it. I wish that he would stop wearing it. Like, just, I didn't just like it when it came Just the part that out. goes over his face. Yeah. I don't mind the little mouth guard piece. I think that's fine. But the little rabbit looking thing, I still don't, I still don't like it, guys. Yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah, I don't either. I'm not a fan. It looks too much like a donkey. Like, I just don't see All Might in it. I just, you know, and I get that the, he wears it because of his mom, but I'm not a fan either. Yeah. I just don't like the aesthetic. I get the, I get the, the heartwarming, you know, Hallmark movie reason behind him wearing it, but it just ain't for me. Yeah. Right? Save it for the Lifetime movie marathon. Exactly. Um, anyway, <laughs> um, this is where things take a really weird turn because Chisaki is just like, all right, I guess I'll show you, you know, wh- or talk to you guys about what's going on. Follow me down this alley. And then the heroes are just like, okay, bud. And they follow him, which is the dumbest thing in the world <laughs> right? to do. Yeah, because he's like, all right, well, I don't really, it's really embarrassing why I'm having to get onto her. So if you'll follow me into the alley, I'll tell you why back here in the dark where no one else can see us. <laughs> and they're like, dumb, okay. <laughs> dumb, <laughs> dumb, yeah, dumb, that, dumb. That was really funny. I'm like, what are they doing? So they follow him back there and he's talking about how he's having to discipline his his little girl and he says like, you know, Eerie defies me no matter what I try. And as he says that, he starts to peel off his glove and he turns around and he looks at her or looks at them, I guess, with these like really menacing eyes. And she immediately jumps out of Midoriya's hands and like runs up to him, grabs his hand and starts walking like she knew what was about to happen, you know. Aerie is the hero here. Yeah. Um, she reacts to Overhaul putting a finger into his glove. And this is like, a, and Mirio picks up on this as well, that it's like a subtle threat that he's going to remove it. And um, this is something I had to go back and watch or more accurately check out the mangas to see the interaction between the League of Villains and the Shie Hisaikai because when, and this happens later on in this episode too, in just a few minutes, when overhaul uses his power, he does remove a glove. So it almost, it it must require maybe skin on skin contact. Um, I also had my, uh, a note in here that like when, when he uses his power, it's almost like he, he has like a physical reaction to it, almost like an allergy. Like it, it, makes him break out in hives and i don't know if that's a side effect or that's what. interesting i haven't picked up on that so i'm not super sure so you'll see it like in a second when he explodes this dude in the hallways of i guess shia Saikai headquarters he has his glove off which is the part that we're fairly confident of now uh and when he when he reduces him into blood um he kind of breaks out on that side of his body his I face did and hand that. yeah i have a note that on his head there were like some speckles uh and i didn't know if that was like a previous scar or if that was some sort of reaction but now that you say that 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 does remind me about that and it's funny too the way he kills him because he like walks past this dude and like slaps him and then he's just like a splatter on the wall 
Yeah, and then he just tells somebody else, just clean that up. Like, it's no big deal or it happens a lot. Because <laughs> the person isn't like, uh, this isn't in my job description. He's just like, yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Yep, get it done. Is this when he makes the comment that uh, people are infected with heroism? Yep. Man, that was cool. That's like a... That's kind of a cool comment to make. Like, I mean, just the way it's worded sounds cool, you know, like from a villain perspective, that sounds super villainous. Right. So then this is when we kind of circle back around, I think, to wait, is is there more stuff with Ari here where he takes her into the room or is that later? No, I think this is when he does. He takes her into the room and I, I, you can't really tell what's going on, but it seems like he's running some sort of experiments on her. He's got to be harvesting something from her. Is that what like, it I is? Think, I, th- I think so. I mean, it, the so the, the room has got like a chair in it with straps and where her bandages are makes it seem like he's maybe harvesting blood or like in vast quantities. Not, I'm not just talking about like you given to, uh, you know, Red Cross. I think that he's harvesting something from her for some reason. That's interesting. Well, and yet again, this is another moment where we're really unsure about what his quirk actually is because we transition over to Night Eye and Bubble Girl They've been staking out at this hideout for a while. This is when they received that call from Mirio, and they reconvene with them, and they're explaining that the last time that the Chisaki attacked those villains, and we, we saw this like two or three episodes ago, it's the villains that had basically taken over like a small grocery store or something, and a hero tried to stop them, but they killed the hero or they beat him up, and then another group of villains attacked them. They're reporting that they are basically healed of all conflicts. Like any ailment they had are completely gone, including like all cavities and things like that. And they are chalking it up to Chisaki and, and Overhaul's quirk. So is his quirk to also heal people? Like, do you think he's harvesting from this girl and then healing her and then reharvesting over and over? Now that the last thing that you said made makes a lot of sense. That that if if it is to heal that he could be, but why the bandages then? I don't know, um, yeah. So that's weird. But at the same time, I was thinking about this reservoir thing because I have always been under the impression that the Shie Hasaikai were the ones that wrecked those dudes' face. And I remember specifically that one of their faces had been like somehow molded or melded, combined somehow with a tire. Yeah, went, that sounds familiar. I went, I went and pulled the manga volume where that, because this is during the um, Twice stuff. Okay, yeah, um, yeah. And looked at it, and they are mangled. And so I was like, what? What is this dude's power then? Because I was like, the last time anybody talked about the Reservoir Dogs, we saw them as like a bloody mess of mangled body parts and fire. Um, Do you think so maybe there I are two people no at play idea. here? Like maybe, because from what we can see, it seems like Overhaul's quirk is to blow people up. So I just wonder if maybe there's someone else on his team that's healing folks up or or maybe his quirk is that he has like the c- control of blood flow. So he's able to cause your blood pressure to spike and you just explode or he's able to, you know, concentrate your blood in certain areas that would cause you to heal faster. I don't know. There's always yeah, some sort of like some sense. science behind the quirks in this in this show, I feel like. And that's the only thing I can really think of. Yeah, because and well, and the other thing that kind of baffled me about this particular scene was they mentioned specifically that the money that was stolen was just left to burn. And I'm like, if Overhaul needs money, which is why he's talking at all with the League of Villains, why did he just leave a bunch of money behind burning? Yeah. He didn't try to save it. But I mean, this would further enhance the whole idea that the the clan is not 
you know, villainous in the public eye. I mean, that's why Mirio mentioned it like it wasn't a big deal. You know what I mean? Mm. Because maybe from the public perspective, they're not an organized crime group. I mean, I feel like that's a thing. There are sometimes like gangs that protect, you know, cities or local towns. And so to that town, they are seen as like a necessary evil almost. And they're, they're considered good because they protect the town. Uh, I think like Sons of Anarchy, you know, if you ever watch that motorcycle group that kind of protects the town, they're seen as outlaws by some, but they're seen as a blessing to others. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Fair. Well, they get into this discussion and Midoriya's like, so when are we going to go save Aerie? Let's go right now. And Night Eyes is like, listen, you're you're not so special that you can just run around and save whoever you want whenever you want. Yes, I love that. He says... The world isn't so lenient that you can save her with your good intentions. And I really liked that, too. Because, listen, our boy Midoriya, he's full of good intentions. Um, But him pursuing them just wantonly and without the kind of uh, intelligence gathering that Night Eye seems to be a a big fan of, he's going to be dangerous to himself, possibly to other people. And so Night Eyes has given him a pretty hearty dose of reality here. Yeah, I really, really like this scene a lot. I mean, it's a nice reality check from Adoria because up until this point, he's been incredibly lucky, and I don't think he remembers that. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are so many times where something has happened to him that would have killed most, uh, almost everybody else. Yeah, and he, I mean, he's bummed about it, but he's also, he was also very upfront with uh, Mirio at the top of the episode where he was just like, listen, there's a lot of experience that I don't have because Mirio is shocked to find out he'd never even been on a patrol before. Right, right. And, and so this is, Mir, uh, Midori is definitely, he's aware that he's on a very steep learning curve. Um, so, you know, this is just one of those growing pains and he'll sort it out. I think that he's willing to trust Night Eyes enough to, give him the benefit of the doubt that he knows what he's doing. And I hope that he just doesn't get foolhardy like we've seen them do before and rush off and try to do something on his own. I don't suspect he'll do that this time. Yeah, I don't think so either. I mean, it would be kind of nice for, for once from a viewing perspective for Midoriya to walk into a situation and kind of have his bearings instead of have to, having to do the Midoriya thing where he figures it all out and solves the situation at the last second. Like that situation's played out for this show. I want to see him walk in and have a prepared plan kind of you know what i mean yeah so we do get another quick scene here though it flashes back over to overhaul and he's got like this weird minion looking thing it reminded me of the ghosts from uh or not the ghosts there's a character from mario and i don't they're not oh, the ghosts. Yeah. i don't know what they are shy guys shy guys yeah he looks like a shy guy it was that's true it was really that's weird. A good and he's, that's good he, yeah i didn't think about that he's just like hey you got a phone call from uh, that shigaraki guy and so like you know they follow up with this later and it turns out uh we'll just go ahead and tell you now it's an after credit scene anyways shigaraki mm-hmm. is willing to meet up and talk to overhaul about possibly joining their group under the right conditions so that's interesting i'm, I'm interested in seeing where that leads because that would be a pretty powerful team up it seems like yeah, I mean, it's not. Uh, I mean, did we not see it coming? I, I feel like that was pretty telegraphed. Um, really? That the, yeah. Oh, that, I mean, that. I yeah, know. that they would join voice, forces at some point. I now, didn't see that coming. I was hoping for like a villain on villain with heroes in between. You know, like that's what I want to see. I want to see like let's level the city villains fight the organized crime villains, and the heroes be stuck in the middle. Like, how in the world do we reconcile this? I think that that is not a non possibility because my thinking is. The Shie Hisaikai and the League of Villains act all buddy-buddy, but somebody, if not both of them, is going to try to backstab the other once they yeah. get what they want out of them, and then you could end up with your situation. But I do think that the two of them meeting at the beginning of Season 4 is like a Chekhov's gun, which is like, 
if there's a discussion about those two joining forces, then they are, in fact, going to join forces. That's fair. It's like a weird narrative Chekhov's gun. Yeah, that's fair. But that kind of that kind of wraps us up as far as uh, you know what's going on with Overhaul. We we go back to the classes in the dorm rooms, and we're shown that uh, Bakugo and Todoroki are like all beat to hell. I guess from some sort of provisional licensing classes. Yeah, like I'm really curious what's going on in there, man. I don't know, but they they are they they're carrying their wounds around, so maybe they've been instructed not to go see the nurse, maybe. just like um, Bakugo and Midoriya after their their fight. I want oh. I hadn't even had this thought. What if Bakugo and Todoroki got into a fight of some kind? Ooh, that'd be interesting. And it was the same man. If that happened, now I'm think. Now that I'm thinking about it, that would just piss me off because I want to see Bakugo and Todoroki well, go at it again. Maybe we'll have some like OVAs to look forward to because that this maybe. this seems like it would be a really fun OVA to see. You know what I mean? Like what happened? Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Some provisional. Yeah, that's what we want to see. We want to see Bakugo and Todoroki. Uh, taking their extra classes for the provisional licensing exam. I'm for it. Yeah, I, I would watch o- OVA that. number four. Yeah, definitely. Make it more than two and a half minutes long, please. <laughs> yeah, I need like a full 30 minute episode for this or maybe two. That's right. Yeah, like I need a small mini arc. You know what I mean? Uh, but it's fun. But, I'm glad to see that we, we get to see them kind of progress, you know, I guess post progression, if that makes sense. Right, right. Mineta's bothering Midoriya, asking if there are any uh, hot young ladies that he's working with over at uh, Night Eyes Agency. If only he knew about Bubble Girl <laughs> and also the Tickle Machine, Mineta would lose his mind. In fact, I even have in my notes, what if, what if, hang with me for a second, what if the thing that Mineta had in his room is a tickle table? Oh my God. The thing that he, he wanted to Night show Eyes, everybody? <laughs> yes, yes. And then he and Night Eyes, if you went to the Night Eyes agency, he and Night Eyes would totally bond over tickle tables. Uh, what if? That would be such a creepy relationship that I don't even want to begin to fathom. That's <laughs> oh, so dude. disturbing. It'd be great. Uh. But anyway, Midoriya <laughs> is expressing that he's he's really, he was upset by Night Eyes' explanation of who should get the one for all and why. And um, he feels like he's entitled to hear this from All Might. Um, so he's he's so distracted that he begins to like slip off in classes. So he finally is just like, I'm going to go find him right now. And we're going to talk this out. Like he feels very entitled to know. Um, like think All has, Might was obligated to tell him. I think he has some level of entitlement there. Like I get that. I, I'm kind of with Deku on this one. I would have, I feel like if I was in his situation, I would have been like, dude, why didn't you tell me about this? You know? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's well, setting him up for kind of an awkward position. Like, does Mirio know that at one point in time he was supposed to get this? And now he's all buddy-buddy with Midoriya. Like, that's, I mean, that's really high and mighty of Mirio, but that's kind of puts Midoriya in a weird spot. So I don't know that Mirio knows about it. I haven't had that suspicion yet. But my argument for why Midoriya was not told was that if All Might had told him at the beginning, I had somebody else in mind, but I'm going to give it to you instead that that would have been a point of weird relational tension between him and Mirio and possibly even for Midoriya himself, where he's like, well, you thought you found somebody, but you know, now why me? Um, so I don't know it. I, I didn't, I'm not on the side where I just wholesale think Midor- like all might should have told Midoriya right at, right up front. I mean, I think that there, there was a time and perhaps this is it where he could be told, but at the, right at the beginning, I don't know. Uh, seems I, weird. I agree with that. Maybe not right at the beginning, but it seems like it should have come up. Like if anything is a boost of confidence, because there were times when, when Midoriya was like, I don't know that I can do this. He should have been like, look, I, I actually had someone else lined up, but after meeting you, I, you know, there was no doubt in my mind that you are my next successor. 
I feel like mm-hmm. if he had put it that way instead of, well, I had somebody else, but I stumbled across you first. Like, because he, he, he had mentioned that he hadn't actually met Mirio yet. And, and right. you know, I don't know. So I, I don't feel like he had even really chosen Mirio. I mean, there were other people that had wanted him to choose Mirio, but it didn't seem like it was solidified to All Might. I mean, obviously, otherwise he wouldn't have given it to Deku. Yeah, and I think, too, that there might be sufficient enough reason for All Might not to tell Midoriya, even when he's sitting in the office with Mirio, in part because Mirio is there, maybe Mirio doesn't know, like I suspect. Yeah, um, yeah, because it would be weird, also t- I feel like. If Mirio yeah. did know, that would make it really weird. But then the other side is, if All Might is trying to, he's trying to do his best to kind of set Midoriya up for as much success as he could possibly have working under Night Eyes, because All Might believes that Night Eye could be good for Midoriya, and he could sabotage that accidentally by saying, yeah, this guy doesn't think that you should have the power. That's true. Like that, that kind of sets him up as a villain from the, from the get go. And so I get, I get why he didn't say it. This is an appropriate time, but I, I don't know that Midoriya was necessarily entitled any earlier than this to know, but now is a fine time to talk about it. So let's talk about what they talk about. Yeah. I mean, pretty much uh, he shows up to all Might's like running track. It seemed like a really nice running track like right outside the school. And it's funny because he, he pops up like right behind him and he's like, oh, oh, young Midoriya, you know, like all surprised. And uh, he Midoriya just comes right out and is like, why didn't you tell me? Like, you need to tell me, start from the beginning. And I'm not asking as your fan, I'm asking as your successor. Like I have a right mm-hmm. to know. And I think that's kind of important because it's not coming from a matter of like, oh, well, I am obsessed with you. So I want to know all of your inner thoughts and workings. It's a matter of like, Hey man, I'm I'm supposed to be replacing you, and I just found out there were other people that might have replaced you first. Like, what's that about? Uh, so I, I mean, I I kind of get that, I, and I think you know, all my breaks it down pretty well. I mean, he he talks about how he originally had a policy of like no sidekicks at all, but Night Eyes quirk kind of worked well with his, and you know, they ended up having a pretty good relationship, and so he he allowed Night Eye to become his sidekick at first, and Night Eye was the one that seemed to have found Mirio for All Might. Yeah, and he talks about how Night Eyes got to the point where after the injury uh, that he suffered from All for One, that Night Eyes was like, you need to retire immediately. You need to find a successor. If you continue in this hero role, I can't, I won't, I'm not gonna support you. And then All Might seems to be offended because he's like, did you, did you quirkify me? I mean, did you do your quirky thing yeah, to me? Yeah, yeah. He's like, I told you not to do that. Which is interesting. Like that All Might would forbid him from looking into his future? Maybe. Like that I seems assumed... like a really handy thing to have, I guess. It's, it's almost like that, um, that would you rather, would you rather know when you were going to die or would you rather know how you were going to die? Except if Night Eyes tells you, then you know both. Right, right, yeah. I just kind of Possibly assumed it was like All Might not wanting to look down that barrel. You know what I mean? Like he, if he knew, because he knows that foresight is never wrong. So he's like, maybe he didn't want him to know, so that way All Might wouldn't also have the opportunity to know. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. That's kind of what I, how I figured it. So he's, All Might is, it, it's, and it's a really moving scene visually, because yeah. this is really close to the end of his first fight with All for One. He's still in the hospital. Um, he can barely stand up, although he is in buff Pidgeotto form, and he's trying to walk his way down this hallway, and they're having this long discussion about um, the vision that he had and Night Eyes is trying to explain to him that what he saw was an unspeakably gruesome death. And so Night Eyes is like, you need to retire because if you don't, then this is going to happen. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so he's, again, here in this scene, he's trying to manipulate the future based on what he has seen. But um, All Might is pretty, uh, he's pretty adamant about it. He's like, well, what happens in the time between me retiring and us finding another suitable symbol of peace? He's like, I can't, I can't stand by and let anything happen while, while I'm sidelined. So I'm, I'm going to continue to do what I can. And um, then they, they get into this talk about how a quirkless middle schooler is somebody who's going to end up with the quirk. And that ticks night eyes off because at, by that point, um, and this is all, this is like later on in the flashback, if that makes any sense. Um, they, they had Mirio in mind. And so night eyes is like, you're making a huge mistake. This kid needs this, not some quirkless middle schooler. Yeah. He even makes a mention that there are like countless other people that are more deserving of it than some quirkless middle schooler. Another thing I wanted and, to mention real quick too, whenever in, in the initial flashback, I mean, he's all might is so beat up that, Night Eye is like, he, he makes the mention that you can't even smile right now. Like, how are you supposed mm-hmm. to be this symbol? And he kind of reiterates what All for One had mentioned, where he says, you know, what you really need to do is pick a few people and invest in them and, and help a few people become the symbol of peace. Otherwise, we're going to end up in a, a situation where you're no longer able to be the symbol and there will be no one to immediately step into your shoes. So he calls it. I mean, he calls it years before it happens. And it, so, you know, All Might is kind of at fault. Like, he did have some foreknowledge and forewarning that this was going to happen. Right. And this is the point where Midoriya is kind of wrestling with what Night Eyes reported to All Might, which is that he's going to die. And Midoriya's like, well, I, you know, everybody dies, but. This is this is this new reality, and All Might is like, well, I thought I was going to die, you know, I thought my time had come with this second fight with All for One, but you were there, and because Midori is like, well, how far into the future did Night I see? And All Might's like, well, six or seven years, and so Midori is like, well, that's this year or next year. I mean, that's that's real, that's real close. Yeah, yeah. I wonder, you know. Earlier in the episode, we had mentioned that Night Eye had all of this foresight, and I, I was curious, like, how did he not see All Might giving and passing down one for all to, to Midoriya? I mean, it seems like that would have been one of the things he saw, uh, but like you had mentioned, maybe he can skip ahead or something, um, mm-hmm. and, and I just kind of wonder, like, is it possible that Midoriya being given one for all is the, like, condition breaking, condition breaking her? I don't know what kind of word I'm trying to use here, but it's it's basically Sir Night Eye had had said that like under the right conditions, I will see all outcomes. I wonder if this is just not one of those conditions. Like he didn't expect Midoriya to to show up. Like he is kind of the uh, the enigma in this situation. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. all of it's changed because Midoriya was there. Yeah. Could be. I mean, All Might seems to think that at least Midoriya's presence and his personality and his potential are giving him a unique a, a, a new unique perspective on life. He's like, I thought the fight with all for one was the end, but you were there and all of our shared experiences inspired me to live. So he's like, I will fight. And he kind of holds out his fist and then goes buff Pidioto for him. Um, and he's like, I'm going to twist fate in anything else into the shape I want with these arms. And then there's like this kind of flashback and this, this made this scene so much better, but he has this flashback to that brief exchange that all might had with all for one in the prison and that little snippet of conversation gets plucked out of that where All Might says, I will fight and I will not die in the future that you imagine will not come to pass. Yeah. And he says that to All for One, but the way the where they place this in the in the episode makes it sound like he's saying it almost to Night Eyes. I mean, like, even though he isn't there. 
Um, like you say, in that future that you saw this gruesome death and all that, things are different. Something's changed. And so he says, I'm going to reject it and I will twist fate um, around this. We're going to do this. And then there's this cool epic fist bump that kind of ends the episode. Yeah. And this is also where Midoriya is like, well, hey, I've got a bright idea. How about we just go talk to Sir Nighteye and get him to look into your future? Like right now. <laughs> and and All Might it's like, no, no, we can't do that. And then it cuts. So I guess that's what we're looking forward to next week. But that's a totally that's a totally reasonable thing to suggest, though. Can I say that? I mean, I, I mean for, it, like, it hey. is reasonable, yeah. But you got to think about it from All Might's perspective. Like, it, I mean, it's kind of that question you asked earlier, right? Does he really want to know how he's going to die and when he's going to die? Because I mean, Night Eye is probably going to be able to tell him because it should be within the next few months. It seems like. Yeah, I mean, I guess. You know, if they've got all this optimism and pep in their step right now because of this cool pep talk in the park, that if they go and see Sir Night Eyes and he's like, nope, things are exactly like I said they were going to be. You're going to die this horrible, gruesome death, and Midoriya shouldn't have the all, uh, the one for all. Um, <laughs> but that would be really depressing. It would be. just be like, all right, I guess uh, don't put any more emotional investment into those two. Let's let's talk about the new hotness, Mirio. <laughs> right, <know>? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, wouldn't that be kind of the craziest twist though if like because this entire time we've been hearing these uh, voiceovers from future Midoriya saying that's how I became the best hero there ever was right what if right. he became the best hero by transferring the power to Mirio yeah but like in he the, saved everyone in the, by doing that you know yeah I mean but in the visuals that we've seen of that future he's all geared up and crackling with power have we seen stuff. him in the future yet I think we've just heard voiceovers I think so I don't think we had no, seen like I think a, we've seen a Future Midoriya. I think we've seen like a very brief glimpse of future Midoriya. Like he's still a teen though. We've talked about this. Like how far in the future could this possibly be? Because he still looks like he's 15. Um, but it, and it was early on, like in first season, maybe. Huh, okay. I don't um, remember that. Yeah. where like the world is all burning around him and he's standing there in his suit, all crackling with energy and stuff. I distinctly recall that. Okay. I hope I'm not misremembering that. Cause then I'll feel like a fool. Yeah. For but, some reason I thought we had only heard like voiceovers from the future. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to hand this power over to Mirio, but it would be no. interesting. And to be fair, we haven't really seen the power degrade from all might. Like we know that his power has degraded, but I assumed it was mainly because of the, the injuries. It seems like he's still buff and has some level of power. I mean, he fought, all for one, even after giving the power over. So it's reasonable that Midoriya could share the power with uh, Mirio, right? Yeah, like there could be two two possessors of the one for all, at, or the, um, yeah, the one for all at the same time. I mean, I don't see why not. I mean, it's, like I said, it doesn't seem like All Might lost it entirely. I mean, it, he did mention that his power was starting to dwindle a little bit, but we don't really know if mm-hmm. that's from the injury or from passing it on. Uh, and, and speaking of possessors, I wonder if the whole, like, possessor of one for all sight vision thing is going to come back up. You remember when Midoriya saw all of the people? Yeah. Like, that's never been addressed. I, I was thinking about that the other day. I, I was kind of wondering if we're going to see more of those folks. I don't know. But that was a cool... I remember us talking about that yeah. at the uh, USJ. I had, like, or a lot of the investment USJ, the festival. That. It was at the festival, yeah. I had, like, a lot of investment in that. I was really hoping that we would see more, like tutelage from the previous possessors through some sort of like you know mind link or something i thought that would have been really cool yeah and that still could be something that we'll see we don't know yet that's true he's only accessing like what eight percent of his power right now so yeah max yeah so it's i'm sure there's way more to come yep and we're we're gonna be here for it oh yeah definitely i'm looking forward to these next few episodes man i think we're gonna uncover some pretty cool stuff me too. And um, since we're getting close to the end of this episode, just want to remind our viewers that it'll be a couple weeks before our next episode. Um, if 
because because we're watching things currently, we, we think there might be a break week coming up too, maybe Thanksgiving week. Um, but regardless, it'll be a minimum of two weeks before our next episode. However, we have set a precedent uh, that we want to honor to the best of our abilities with the filler episodes. So if you've got any kind of My Hero Academia adjacent content that you think uh, Adam and I could look into or watch or read or talk about, um, then hit us up on Twitter or find us in the Discord. Drop those ideas on us, and we'll do what we can. I mean, the, the filler episodes are going to be based on our ability um, to sit down together um, week to week going forward with some life changes going on in, in each of our lives, honestly. And then, um, you know, us feeling like we've got something worthy of committing, recording, and editing time to. But we, we do are, we're going to do our best to kind of keep you entertained as frequently as we can. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the fact of the matter is, I think we'd get together and talk about once a week on some sort of anime-related something anyways. So we might as well as record it for you guys, especially if it's something you want to hear. True, true. So find us at AlmightyPod on Twitter. Um, if you find us on Twitter, there's a pinned tweet with a link to the Discord. We'd love you to have you in there. It's a pretty active community. We usually chit-chat back and forth almost every day. Not every day, but uh, fairly frequently. Definitely. And you can also always email us at fanmail at backpationetwork.com. There you go. Bunch of ways to pitch us your ideas and see if we could take them, run with them, and make you laugh and bring a little sunshine to your Mondays going forward as, with as high a frequency as we can manage. Definitely. Almighty Mondays are something I always look forward to. But speaking of that, man, I think this is the end. It's, well, yeah, not for not forever, but just not for the A and P. Just the end of this episode. We just, we just. Did you? You need to rewind and listen to the last two minutes. Yes. Um, <laughs> but yeah, end of this episode, guys, and we'll we'll catch you as soon as we possibly can with either uh, the following two episodes. So we be our our next non filler episode will cover episode sixty eight and sixty nine of My Hero Academia. Absolutely, we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. See you guys. Almighty Podcast is brought to you by the Back Patio Network. You can follow us on Twitter at AlmightyPod or follow at BackPatioNet for all network news. If you enjoyed what you heard, go check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash network. You can help support the network, get access to early episodes, and lots of other great stuff. If you want to get to know us, come hang out in our Discord channel. We have lots of fun and would love to have you in there. My name is Adam, and you can follow me on Twitter at TheRealSimso, S-I-M-S-O.